Hey guys, it's Floyd and Brian uh, with thinkingitthrough.net. And hey, we're back again to revisit uh, our discussion, not only on restaurants this time, but also a little bit more about business, including real estate uh, and becoming an entrepreneur. So, hey, Brian, how are you doing today? Good, Floyd, how are you? Good, good. Hey, um, the hot topic lately seems to be everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. And um, there's a lot of talk out there, whether it's easy, whether it's hard, but it seems like people that are entrepreneurs seem like they're rock stars. You know, I think the number one person people talk about right now is Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, What's your opinion on someone that wants to be an entrepreneur? How easy or how hard is it to be an entrepreneur? I think that I think that it, being an entrepreneur is is a great thing to pursue. I think a lot of people think about it. Everybody wants to own their own business. Everybody wants to manage their own time, and I think it's just a great thing. It's a it's a way of independence and uh, you know being free from the man, so to speak. Um, so I agree with it, and I and I'm an entrepreneur myself, um, or at least previously, and so I agree with it. And I think that there um, I think it's a great path to go down, but I think that there's a lot to it, and I think that people need to think about those things. Yeah. Um... Definitely, there's a lot of warnings out there about the pitfalls of it, and uh, there's a lot of work that's involved. I think one of the sayings is an entrepreneur would rather work 80 hours a week uh, doing something for themselves or rather than working for a company for 40. Um, the, the idea of being a true-blooded or true-path entrepreneur is something that I've heard out there. Do you think that people can learn to become an entrepreneur or is, are they born into it? You know, I think that they can learn to become one. I think that that's in everybody. It's interesting for me because I don't understand uh, how people can't be. Um, I'm not an entrepreneur. I mean, I kind of am now with the side projects that I have. But for a long time in my adult life, I was an entrepreneur. After I got out of the Army, I had my own businesses up until uh, probably the last 10 years where I started working for companies. Um, I think that I think that you have to have a certain thing about you. You have to have an interest that... that um, that drives you beyond anything else. And it starts, it all starts with passion. Absolutely, it starts with passion. But passion cannot be the only thing. You cannot be led around by passion alone. You have to learn a few things in order to become an entrepreneur. Cool. Appreciate it. Hey, guys, um, thanks for joining us for these few short questions. Uh, this is Floyd and Brian with thinkingitthrough.net. Thanks. Hey guys, welcome to thinkingitthrough.net with Floyd and Brian. Hey, uh, Brian, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Good, good, good. Hey, um, it seems like the stock market and the real estate market and the economy in general has been humming along and the dreaded cliff that everyone thinks may be coming, uh, the bear market, if you want to call it. Uh, seems to be looming out there on everybody's mind. But in the meantime, everything seems to be moving along nice. Um, we live in Columbus, Ohio. The, uh, the housing prices, uh, the market in general have been humming along. Um, what's your opinion of the Columbus market uh, 10 years ago 
and how it exists now. What's your opinion of that? You know, I, I don't really, I don't have a great answer for that because I, I didn't live here 10 years ago um, and I didn't really pay attention to the market. I was heavily involved in real estate back then. 10 years ago, of course, was some of the worst times in real estate history. So I know that Columbus was deeply affected by that at that time. Uh, so I would say there's a vast difference uh, between then and today. Uh, today, you know, I think we have some differences in real estate uh, investing altogether uh, or, or even financing and, and the trends that, that are occurring. Columbus is, is, is a growing market. I think as you've seen, we've seen more corporate offices um, and corporate industries start to appear uh, here in Columbus. And we see a mad dash on new housing subdivisions and apartments and condos. And in fact, they built an entirely new downtown for Dublin um, in response to these things. So we're in a really good place. I don't necessarily know that that carries through all over the country or in, even in, in every city in Ohio uh, because of, I think, what, we, what we've learned from the past uh, or maybe what the economy has le learned by, by natural process is it seems to me that we're 10 years ago, the entire country almost seemed to experience these downward trends and, and upward trends in real estate. Uh, but now to me, it seems like it's more fragmented. It seems like specific areas with specific things going on are, are really changing. And there was a little bit of that back then too. Uh, in fact, I'll give you a, for instance, it was really industry-based. Um, Odessa, Texas was a place that was kind of uh, depressed of Odessa Midland. Uh, it was a place that I invested in quite a bit. It was uh, kind of a depressed area. And when the oil boom came, uh, it became different. Uh, you know, where the rest of the world, uh, the rest of the country, not world, was starting to experience this massive bubble and all these problems. Um, there was still such a high demand uh, in, in Odessa, Texas. Um, even through the even through the down market after the bubble had burst, there was still such a high demand for housing. So I think we're seeing that kind of in Columbus, uh, the Columbus area, with all of the um, the growth, economic growth here. I think we're starting to see that. So, in my opinion, if you can get in on a deal uh, in Columbus or surrounding Columbus area, I think we're going to see this area evolve. Yeah, there's there's plenty of space to expand, but it's definitely an outward. You know, we have a couple prime, um, uh, a prime higher end suburbs. Uh, I'm talking about New Albany and Dublin, and those areas at first had a lot of areas where uh, housing could be built or uh, subdivisions to be built, but you're starting to see those um, really fill up. And I would imagine in the next five, 10 years, you won't be able to build in those areas. You're gonna have to keep going out in the outstretches. So um, the, the idea that it definitely is a seller's market right now, in your opinion, if you had to throw it, how many years that's gonna take, is there any guess you'd like to give on how many years it's gonna be for it still to be a seller's market? You know, the safe bet is to say two years. Um, I, I don't really know though, but I think that we, it has some legs to it as far as uh, a little bit of longevity because of the growth that's actually occurring. I think the real estate market, you know, what's happening in Columbus kind of tells the story of uh, you know, the Midwest and middle America um, because of uh, one of the things that we see a lot of with the new industry coming here, all these corporate offices, is we see we see a lot of uh, buildings downtown converting into these apartments and, 
and uh, a lot of apartment style, I mean luxury, even luxury apartment style uh, buildings popping up. And we do see subdivisions popping up too. The pricing uh, aligns with what the salary base is around here, and I think it does it very well in Columbus. Uh, but but it definitely tells a story. Definitely tells a story. So, um, yeah. So yeah, this is a this is a good question. Columbus is growing, and you see cities like San Francisco just exploded. You know, real estate's out of control there, and now you see a city like Denver, Colorado, kind of mimicking. Uh, something where San Francisco, where it's it almost seems out of control as far as pricing and the demand for for real estate. Can you look at a city like Columbus and say compare it to what's going to happen to other cities as far as that growth? And I'll I'll jump all the way to Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia seems like it's going through a growth. Can you take a city and say this is what's going to happen to Columbus based on other cities, or do you think there's too many? other outside activities that go on in that city that you really can't compare different cities? You know, cities like Atlanta have such diversity in, in what's going on there. So I don't think you can compare Columbus to many places because I think what's going on here is kind of unique. Um, I, I can't really speak for a lot of those places because I really don't know what's happening there. I've been kind of focused on, on my, my area and I see some things. Um, I come from uh, Tampa Bay and so I do kind of know what's going on in Tampa Bay. Uh, that's where I did most of my real estate investing, and of course, if you know anything about 2008, you understand why I moved to Ohio. Um, but, but I come from Tampa Bay, and, and what we see in Tampa Bay is the real estate's kind of taking the same turn as it did back in 2007, 2008, where the bubble is really inflating. In fact, it's to the point where um, people are buying prices at uh, regular price on the market and then they're inflating 30 days later and we kind of see a lot of the same thing I don't think it's as, as wild west as it was but I think that we see a lot of the trends in fact many of the investors that I know that are uh, that typically invested in Tampa Bay over the last several years and everything was kind of on that downturn have now started to leave that area to invest they're looking for other areas so I, I can't really speak to the other areas that are growing and, and when you talk about Columbus I'm not sure that we can compare it just because I think it's unique Cool. I appreciate it. Hey, this has been Brian and Floyd uh, with thinkingitthrough.net. Have a good one. Hey, everybody. Welcome to thinkingitthrough.net with Brian and Floyd. Brian, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Floyd. How are you? Good, good. Hey, um, in the real estate game, you no matter if you're flipping a house, uh, whether you're buying a house or getting ready to sell your house, uh, renting it out, people seem to lean towards updating their kitchen or maybe updating their bathroom as the primary way to add value to your real estate to either get more rent or to get money, more money when you sell it or flip it. Um, has that been the case in, uh, when you've done real estate? Yeah, and it depends on, uh, it really does depend on what your goal is. And, and then there's some other supporting things that need to kind of align uh, to make that determination. Um, when you're selling a house, and if you're thinking about selling a house, it's, it's absolutely important to focus on specific things that buyers are interested in, which typically is the kitchen, the bathroom, um, you know, flooring, that sort of thing. Uh, flooring is always such a strange thing when it comes to uh, selling a house, whether you're flipping it or whatever, uh, simply because 
it's something you can make a deal on if you needed to. Um, and flooring is very particular to people in a lot of ways. So you have to make sure that you're making the right choices where that's concerned. When, when, you're, when you're thinking about renting, um, I think you know you can't really necessarily say that if I put more money into the place to make it look nicer that I'm gonna get more money out of rent because I think you have to kind of see what's going on in the area. First of all, you have to align um, with, with standard rents that are out there. You have to. There's a, there's a rule called the 1% rule and I'm not gonna explain that completely, but that basically talks about uh, you need to be able to align with the area rents um, and, and it needs to be able to uh, kind of weigh out versus the value of the house or the value of what you can get out of it. You know, so in most cases, when you're looking at renting a property, uh, it also depends on the demand. What the demand uh, of your area when it comes to renting um, can kind of dictate what you have to do. And that's how, really how you should think. What do you have to do when it comes to uh, renting a property? Because it's all based on um, overhead. So uh, you really need to, to kind of do the minimal. Uh, I mean, of course, you don't want to you don't want to offer a slum or anything like that, but you do want to make sure that you're spending properly, uh, properly and making that kind of money. So here, a typical person, they've lived in a house for 20 years. All they want to do is sell it, but that's where they raise their kids. So you can imagine the kind of typical non-upkeep damage after, after raising kids. Um, say two scenarios. Say they, they want to get the most for their money, but they don't want to dump a ton into it. I'll give you a scenario. One person says, okay, I have $10,000 to put into this house versus another person saying, you know what, just give me the basics. What can I do for say $1,000 as a quickie turnaround? Do you have any tips for someone that has a, a significant budget before a sale versus someone that only has maybe a couple thousand dollars? Yeah, and I mean, there's always, there's always that, the answers to those questions. Um, I think if you're, you know, it's it's very tough when you've when you've owned a house for 20 years. Um, many people are sentimental to the house, and and that can play against them in a lot of ways because they feel like they shouldn't have to do anything, and the house is just worth it. Uh, and then also on the opposite side of that, people are saying to themselves, "Hey, this house is in terrible shape. Nobody's ever going to buy it the way it is." Um, but I think that those questions need to be asked of the professionals in the area. So if you're looking at uh, putting real money and you want to get maximum value out of the house, you need to think about spending that maximum dollar. Um, you need to weigh those things out. So I would definitely get with a realtor and say, hey, listen, I mean, you know, if, even if you're going to sell it on, on your own, maybe talk to a realtor or someone who's, who's in this market that say, hey, what, where should I focus? I've got 10 grand I want to put into the house. Where should I focus? Where's my money going to get the most value? The other thing is, is there's minimal things that you can do. I think that if you uh, paint and, and redo the flooring, that's kind of always a great minimum. Uh, it really is. Cool. Um, so the, uh, the last question I want to ask you is, if, um, if someone has the option of purchasing, uh, purchasing a rental spot to move all of their furniture into to sell a house, is it, I guess it's a cost analysis at that point in time, but would you offer someone to move everything out of their house to get maximum value or because of the cost of storing their furniture or whatever, just leave the furniture be? Empty house, is it worth more than a house with furniture in it as when you're showcasing it to sell it? You know, when you're, uh, I, I'm not exactly 
sure about the context. The uh, if you're if you're taking if you're flipping a house or let's say you've acquired a house and you renovated it and you want to sell it, are you asking me that if is it, is it better to have it empty? Yeah, or is it yeah. Better to, okay. So I think that that really depends on the market and it depends on the state of the market. If it's a highly competitive market and houses are selling and you're not really sure um, how fast something's going to go, then you need to be competitive and you need to stage that property. Otherwise, for the most part, I mean, me personally as an investor, um, and this is from an investor point of view, also from a personal point of view to some degree, I like to see an empty house. That's just me. Uh, I think that most, I think that most buyers probably want to see what's in the house currently to see what they can do with it. Cool. Kind of gives them a vision. Excellent. Brian, as usual, thank you very much. This has been Floyd and Brian with thinkingitthrough.net. Everybody have a good one.